Gossip Nista here, your one and only source into the real lives of New Yorkers and what it's like to live in New York City. So is it all glitz and glamour? Where do you start? What should you know? And who am I? I'll tell you everything you need to know and you'll thank me for it. XOXO, Gossip Nista. Hi, and welcome to the Gossip Mista podcast. I'm your host, Mariana Monks. Thanks so much for joining me. On today's episode, I had the pleasure of interviewing Tali Farhadian Weinstein, who is running for Manhattan District Attorney, a position which is said to be one of the most coveted prizes in American law. Tali has an impressive resume and the passion to fill the role. And in our interview, she opens up about her candidacy and what she envisions for the criminal justice system of New York City. She also shares her incredible journey as an immigrant to New York and landing in the city on Christmas Eve of all days. She entertains a couple off the beaten path questions from me that has us both laughing, and she even plays a fun little game that I like to call a New York Minute. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy my interview with Tali Farhadian Weinstein. Hi, Tali. Thank you for being here. It's a pleasure having you on the podcast today. Good morning, Mariana. Thank you so much for inviting me. Of course, of course. I am so happy. And, you know, one of the first questions that I always start by asking is, are you originally from New York, Tali? Uh, Mariana, I'm not originally from New York because I was born in Tehran, in Iran, and I came to New York uh, to seek asylum with my family in 1979. Oh, wow. Okay. Please share more uh, about that with us. You know, so you came from there. What was the story behind that? Sure. Uh, So uh, we were living in Tehran, uh, the capital of Iran. Uh, My family was Jewish. And um, in that year, as you know, a revolution had started in Iran. And uh, in the time in in early 79, as uh, we were thinking about leaving, there was really just chaos and insecurity and instability all around, um, violence in the streets. Uh, you know, at that point, um, my parents, little brother and I moved in with my grandparents because it just felt safer to all be together. And, you know, uh, my my dad and grandfather used to tell me, my grandfather has now passed, that it, it was so scary sometimes that they really wouldn't leave the house unless they had to. Mm-hmm. And when they did, they would tape some money, some cash to their stomachs, you know, in case they, under their clothes, in case they ran into someone who wanted to kidnap them and hurt them in some way, and they'd be able to pay them off. And so this just became intolerable. And my parents wanted to get to the U.S. Uh, In fact, my mother had somewhat, I think, unexpectedly spent a year of high school mm-hmm. in in rural Wisconsin wow. on an exchange program. Yeah, uh, not not the t- typical life path uh, mm-hmm. for, for an Iranian girl. And then had uh, gone back, gone to college, was mm-hmm. st- starting her family in Iran. And so she had she had a vision of where she wanted us to be and to be able to live with the freedoms that you can have here. But it was very hard to to leave and to get a flight out. And we wound up, long story short, walking onto a flight to Israel and reuniting with my dad there. He traveled separately. And then he came over 
to the U.S. And then we got onto our own flight to the U.S., my mother, my brother, and I. Mm -hmm. And we were reunited at JFK Airport on Christmas Eve of 1979. So that is where my New York story starts. That is such a beautiful story. I mean, not in the sense of everything that was going on back home, but you know how um, you guys were able to get out of there. Your mom already had had come to the U.S. and and had a plan set in mind for where she wanted your future to go. And then, of all times, being reunited mm-hmm. during Christmas, Christmas Eve, and in New York, right? That, yes. that that's wonderful. And yeah. and so you came to New York. You're at JFK. Did you grow up in New York? Did you stay in the city? Did you grow up outside of it? Well, so we first lived in Queens, uh, mm-hmm. in, in Regal Park, uh, which is still, uh, as you may know, uh, a really diverse uh, community that's full of immigrants from many mm-hmm. parts of the world, um, including from Iran. And then my dad wound up getting a job uh, in New Jersey. And mm-hmm. so uh, I spent most of my childhood there. And then after after college, I really lived in New York or D.C. on and off, uh, except for when I was in school. So I, mm-hmm. I really cycled between those three things um, and have came back to New York permanently, maybe about, what, 12, 13 years ago. Mm-hmm. I, would, I would love to kind of just know now your overall experience in New York City. What has that been like? Well, wow, that's such a big question. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I feel that I just have to say, I really love living here. I don't take it for granted ever. I think that um, you will find that a lot with immigrants. Mm-hmm. We always have somewhere in the back of our minds uh, a, a vision of some kind, a sketch of some kind of what our life would look like somewhere else, right? Um, because so many things had to fall into place uh, mm-hmm. in in order for for it to be possible for me to be a New Yorker. Uh, so I, I really hold on to that with gratitude and appreciation. Wow. I relate to that on so many levels. Just, you know, coming to New York and I myself too uh, am an immigrant. And so, oh. yeah. So where, where where are you from, if I may ask? Yeah, of course. I'm from Mexico. And I, I probably came over around the same time you did, uh, the same age range. And so... Uh, growing up in California, and now I'm here in New York. And uh, like you said, a lot of things took place to finally be here and being appreciative of it. So. Yes, yes, yes. And that note, Tali, you know, more specifically, what are some things you, you like about New York and then some things that maybe you dislike? It it almost, it's a, it's a cliche and then it, yet it has to be said. I mean, the mosaic that is Manhattan and really all of New York City mm-hmm. is like nowhere else. And I have to tell you, I've really enjoyed watching my girls grow up here Mm -hmm. and for that to be uh, just obvious to them that you could go food shopping in Chinatown or at Katagiri or at the Union Square Green Market Mm -hmm. or on you know at the grocers on Upper Broadway and I just think you know on the theme of not taking things for granted Mm -hmm. I I just love that you can move through so many different communities uh, in a pretty small place actually Manhattan is is small, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, you run into people that you know, and it's just, I, I just love that. We also, you know, as I'm trying to sort of show my daughters this city, I think that there are so many great museums here that mm-hmm. are, are great for kids and for grownups to experience at the same time. And one of the things that's really saddened me um, during the pandemic is 
that those places that we love going to are just not um, accessible in the same way anymore. And I'm really eager for them to come back. And maybe that's what I, you know, uh, it, it saddens me in general that we are in this really difficult, um, really difficult period as yes. a city. Thank you yeah. for, for sharing that with us, Tali. I, I do want to ask this one question, and it's new. So uh, it may throw you off a little bit. It may throw my, li- okay. my, my listeners off a little bit. Uh, I'm, I'm sitting down. Okay. It's not that big, but um, you know, I, I was very curious about it. And um, so if, if you could have dinner with any two or three persons, alive, dead, or even fictional, and preferably New Yorkers, if possible, but not necessary, who would they be? and why oh my god mariana i have not been asked that question in like 25 years in like an early job interview is that an interview question i've never been asked that um oh man it it is and and uh you know i i think it obviously the way you answer it tells you um where your head is at and um it's i that i'll just tell you that it's as a parent mm-hmm. um and a working parent um even after a shutdown where we have eaten together as a family mm-hmm. dinner pretty much every night uh it still feels like that is such a special thing. I mean, before the pandemic, there were so many nights where um, it was really hard. You know, I'd have to say, I'd say goodbye to my kids in the morning and I wouldn't see them by dinner time Mm -hmm. or maybe even until bedtime. And so I'm just going to, I know you want me to sort of pick the Pope Mm -hmm. or uh, I I don't know. I guess he's not a New Yorker. No, that's okay. Uh, Like sort of world historical figures, Mm -hmm. but I, I think eating with my kids and my husband is pretty great. And I think all of us are really hungering to be with our friends mm-hmm. and, and the people that we love uh, at a dinner table in a restaurant. I mean, could you imagine that? Yeah. And that was beautifully said. That in itself gave me goosebumps, Tali, because, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. just having that is and being grateful for it. it, it it's, it's a big thing. So thank you, Tali. Gossip Nista here. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. I wanted to hop in here to ask that if you haven't yet, if you could please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you listen. This will help me reach more people and spread the word about New York City and those who love it. And if you want to stay up to date, be sure to follow at Gossip Nista Podcast on Instagram. Now, back to the show. Moving on to our second segment, I I would like to dive a little deeper into your current background, actually into your career background, as well as your candidacy for Manhattan District Attorney. And I'd like to start by going a little further back in time and, and just asking, what was that defining moment in your life that made you decide, I want to become a lawyer? Mm, uh, You know, there wasn't a defining moment. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think sometimes when we look back, uh, we we sometimes can sort of create one or identify one in retrospect. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I've obviously been reflecting on this a lot because when you run for office, you really are obligated to explain um, your trajectory and why you are committed to the things that you're committed to. And mm-hmm. in a way, I've already answered that question by telling you about how I got here, because mm-hmm. 
I, I grew up, like we'll keep coming back to this theme, Mariana, of gratitude, never taking for granted fairness and safety and just the basic um, conditions in which we all need in order to thrive and to live and to work and to be who we want to be. Mm -hmm. And I think it was just natural that I came to dedicate my career to trying to make fairness and safety and these basic things available to other people and to, in my own way, trying to take down barriers to access, Mm -hmm. uh, whether or not they were barriers that I might have experienced as an immigrant myself. Some of them are things that I would never have experienced um, because of who I am. Uh, But just to, you know, to sort of see them and say, no, this is not how people are supposed to live. And this is not the promise of our country. And so it wasn't just about being a lawyer so much as being a public servant. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's really pretty much um, with a couple of exceptions. Uh, I really spent my life in public service and then, you know, teaching and reflecting on, uh, on what we can do as public servants in the criminal justice system. Right. And that kind of leads into my next question, Holly, in the sense of, you know, can you share with us a little bit about your career background and how it may have led you to decide to run for Manhattan District Attorney, please? Sure. Uh, So after I graduated from law school, uh, I went to Washington, D.C., and I was a law clerk for Merrick Garland uh, on the D.C. Circuit, um, who went on to become a household name because of his um, nomination to the Supreme Court and the circumstances around that at the end of the Obama administration. Mm -hmm. And then I went to clerk for Justice Sandra Day O'Connor at the Supreme Mm -hmm. Court. Mm -hmm. And after that, I came back to New York and I worked in a law firm and I taught immigration law and policy um, and did some research at Columbia Law School. And then when President Obama was elected, I was really lucky to be able to spend pretty much the entire Obama administration at the Justice Department. So first I worked as, as, yes, I was really... um, those were such, you know, it was such an, a, an important thing to be a part of. So mm-hmm. the, at first I was counsel to uh, Eric Holder, the attorney general. And mm-hmm. then I came back to New York and I was a federal prosecutor here for six years. And after Trump was elected president, mm-hmm. I turned my attention and my focus much more to local government, as I think many mm-hmm. people did. And the newly elected district attorney, and I started teaching about that subject mm-hmm. um, and thinking about the power that district attorneys have uh, mm-hmm. to shape communities uh, and to deliver on fairness and safety. And there was a newly elected district attorney in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. Eric Gonzalez, and he had this, I thought, extraordinary vision to make it the most progressive prosecutor's office in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was so lucky to be invited to be a part of that. So I went over there to be a part of his leadership team and to uh, serve as his general counsel and to try to put into motion uh, some of that vision for reform. And it really shaped what I wanted to bring to Manhattan. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think particularly now, Mariana, when all of us, like this, as the city is really saying, like we all, we all have to be a part of this recovery. We right. all have to find the way that we can step up. Uh, this is my way uh, of doing mm-hmm. that. I love that. Thank you, Tali. Now, you you kind of mentioned regarding the position of Manhattan District Attorney. What are the roles and responsibilities you, you'd be taking on? 
So the Manhattan District Attorney, as you know, is the chief law enforcement officer um, for, you know, to enforce local criminal law here in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's, uh, you know, the the very uh, famous district attorney of Manhattan, Robert Morgenthau, used to say from the streets to the suites. Mm -hmm. Uh, So in any of those places where I would say I would say the most vulnerable among us are being hurt um, Mm -hmm. and their safety is being threatened. It's our job to look out for that. And at the same time, it's our job to job to stand up for um, good values, for fairness, uh, for the principles that really make our country what they are. And so what does all that abstraction mean? Mm-hmm. Um, to answer your question, you know, uh, what's so, I think, spectacular about this job and its possibilities is that you know, the, the DA has to d- look out and decide, well, what are the laws that we should be enforcing um, that really advance public safety? How should we be using our limited resources? Who should be we really be looking out for? Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, th- those decisions involve a tremendous amount of discretion and policy, policy setting. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, is the heart of this work. Mm, okay. And, and and thank you for sharing that, Tali. So what would you say are New York's most prevalent issues that need to be addressed? And, and how do you plan to help solve some of these issues? Mm. Well, gosh, there are so many. Um, I can tell you some of the things that are really top of mind for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, one is gun violence. As you well know, I mean, to go back to things I don't like about New York, that framing mm-hmm. question you gave me, mm-hmm. um, it's been really hard, right? It's been really right. hard uh, this summer. Now we've already had twice as many shootings um, as we had last year across the five boroughs. And there are days where we are just, it's just unbearable to think mm-hmm. about how many shootings there have been and um, who who is really being hurt. And I think that that has to be a first priority mm-hmm. uh, for anyone who's sitting in this seat Um to really take on gun violence, whether it's gun trafficking or ghost guns or guns in the hands of uh, people who um, are domestic violence uh, perpetrators or supporting community programs that interrupt violence. I mean, there are so many strategies, right? Right. Um, I also, um, a big part of why I wanted to pursue this job is because I think we can do so much better in uh, in holding people accountable when they commit acts of gender-based violence. And mm. by that, I mean domestic violence and sexual assault. And mm. look, we've all read the stories um, and the reporting around, I would say, really um, widespread dissatisfaction on the part of victims of these crimes. Um, and we know that across the country, really, um, less than half of these crimes, domestic violence, sexual assault, are even reported to law enforcement. Mm -hmm. And when they are reported to law enforcement, victims often feel like they're not getting justice, um, that they don't like the way they're being treated inside the criminal justice process. So one of my priorities uh, has been to really reshape and rethink how we go about investigating and prosecuting and really trying to prevent gender-based violence. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thank you for touching upon those two big issues that definitely need to be addressed here in New York City, Tali. Um, on to my next question. And, you know, as we're running for Manhattan District Attorney, a position that has essentially just been filled by only white men since, <laughs> yeah, since about <laughs> 1801, right? For over two centuries now. 
what would it mean to you to essentially get elected as the first female DA of Manhattan? Yeah. So wouldn't that be interesting? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. So I don't, I don't look like the, the DAs who have come before right. uh, in Manhattan and, mm-hmm. you know, around the country, Mariana law enforcement is still really male. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the something like, I, I believe, you know, um, something like 80% of the police across the country, you know, Mm -hmm. across the 18,000 police departments that we have across this country are men. I I think that, you know, we all benefit when we have leaders who bring different perspectives to their roles. And, you know, I, I, I sometimes I struggle with this question and what it implies, because on the one hand, you know, I believe that I'm the most qualified person for mm-hmm. the job. Um, and it's it's not like I just want to be picked out from a binder full of women, mm-hmm. right? I, I want to be picked out from the whole binder yeah. uh, of all the candidates. Mm-hmm. But I also do really think that the, the dearth of female leadership across the country in so many spots and in New York City, where we've never had um, a woman in so many important positions of authority, right. including this one, is incredibly concerning. And then when you link it back to gender-based violence being uh, a, a a place where we can and should do better, mm-hmm. um, I, I think it really puts a focus on the question of um, who do you want to see in these roles? Right, right. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you for sharing that, Tali. I would love to see you on there. In regards to, um, you know, just the campaign trail, I know mm-hmm. it's not been a normal one due to the pandemic. And, you know, but so far, you've been able to be innovative, and you've started a podcast to have the public hear your views on social justice. And you are also bringing on various expert guests in the field of politics. Can you tell us a little bit about that? And, and, and if you're enjoying it, Yes, uh, I am. Uh, thank you for asking about it. So mm-hmm. uh, the trail, like what is the campaign trail? <laughs> it's, a, it's a virtual trail. And yeah. maybe the trail is, um, you know, largely, not entirely, but largely. And maybe some of the trail is in your earbuds right now. And so uh, that really was a big reason why I decided to do something really different. I'm not aware of campaign podcasts, a political podcast in this way. I mean, obviously, people running for office have been on podcasts mm-hmm. telling you uh, to why you should vote for them. But this was really something different. This was, I wanted to answer the question of, well, how am I going to show people who I am mm-hmm. and how I think uh, at a time of such isolation and separation from one another? And uh, I hope that this is meaningful and that the listener slash voter is getting a window into something that she otherwise wouldn't see. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm also I'm also trying to demonstrate a different kind of leadership uh, that has the confidence to say, you know, these are really hard questions. Mm-hmm. And it part of uh, formulating a vision and carrying out is talking to people with whom I agree and also people with whom I might disagree uh, and really trying to develop the questions and the answers that that are at stake here. And and so that's what we have embarked on doing. The podcast is called Hearing, mm-hmm. uh, you know, obviously a play on a hearing, like a court hearing and also mm-hmm. hearing as in listening. And so far, so good, in, in my view. But I mean, it's up to the listener and voter to decide. Yeah, of course. No, and I've listened to every single episode you oh. put out. I've enjoyed it very Thanks. much. Thank yeah. you. 
something that stood out to me specifically was your interview with Malcolm Gladwell with your mom, Farah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, this is, again, where you share your, your story into, into coming to the U.S. and New York. And it was just so beautifully, uh, you know, said between yourself and your mom. Your mom is a, a really good storyteller. <laughs> and, and then you, you know, the part where you're bringing the heart to this whole kind of just journey of district attorney uh, mm-hmm. and change. Um, I love that. And that resonated with me. So thank you. Thank you so much. Of course, of course, Tali. Now, you know, I would love to continue talking in regards to this, but is there maybe anything um, that I may have not addressed that you'd like to touch upon in regards to running for Manhattan district attorney? Yeah, well, you know, I will just say something that comes to mind as to what sort of the next challenge is, because I, you know, a campaign, I, I think at its best is supposed to be a give and a take. And we're both supposed to, you know, we're both supposed to show ourselves to the voter, the listener, the, you know, the person living and working in Manhattan, uh, mm-hmm. and also to hear from them. And uh, I really hope that um, we will be able to, in the course of the pandemic, uh, continue mm-hmm. to find ways, um, not just not just for me to be in your ear, but for you to be in my ear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. I like that. Thank you, Tali. Now, moving on to our third segment, uh, where I would essentially like to ask you for some advice and tips for New Yorkers on how to navigate the current state we're in with regards to the pandemic. My first question is, do you think the city of New York will return to what it used to be pre-pandemic? Well, I, I think... Cities are living and breathing things that always change. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's part of what makes them so exciting, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And and people come here from all over the world. And that's uh, that, as it should, should should sort of change um, what the city is. And so the only thing I want to say before really answering what I think is the the underlying question is, Mm -hmm. I don't think our goal is to sort of go back. Um, Mm -hmm. It's to continue to move forward and to be better and to um, be more inclusive in who is really benefiting from this city and to make sure that um, everybody is being treated with dignity and respect and experiencing fairness and safety at every turn. Um, mm-hmm. So just to say it wasn't perfect before either, um, right. but, but you're, and, and that's the work, right? I mean, that's why um, we all are supposed to step up at any moment, but particularly now, but I think the implication of your question is, will things be at least as good as they were before? Will we get through this traumatic period? Mm-hmm. Um, because it has been unbelievably traumatic, right? Um, mm-hmm. So many New Yorkers sick, so many New Yorkers died, and just the stress on on children uh, of staying inside um, and being deprived of the kind of schooling they had before, and particularly really vulnerable kids. I mean, I think about all of that, and the challenges are real. Um, how mm-hmm. are we going to live with all of that? But, uh, you know, I say, Mariana, the die is not cast. Um, and whether mm-hmm. uh, New York recovers, uh, if mm-hmm. and improves, uh, if that's what this question is about, depends on us. It depends on what we do to contribute to its recovery and to its improvement. And I think that certainly um, having the right leadership in the district attorney's office is critical to the recovery Mm -hmm. of New York. Mm -hmm. Yep, I agree with that. Just having the right people in office at a local level, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, is, is very important. So thank you for sharing that. Tali, in, in regards 
to just a little bit more elaboration on that. What can, you know, the people of New York, what can one do to help the city and to be just an active participant of its revival? Yes. Well, engage in local politics, um, Mm -hmm. pay attention. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, we've, I would say uh, I've had pretty dismal turnouts in New York City for elections that really matter. Mm. You know, who becomes a district attorney and usually the mayor is usually determined by uh, the Democratic primary, which takes place in June. I mean, make sure make sure to be there um, just as much as you should make sure to vote uh, in the election that's coming up. Um, in in November Mm -hmm. and engage, you know, not just by voting, but in your community, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, and your community might be your building. It might be your block. It might be your school. Uh, And and in all of these places, I think that there are opportunities to come together. You know, obviously also, I don't think I have to say be safe, Mm -hmm. uh, follow the best science and the guidance. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I feel so proud that in New York, you know, we really, manage to flatten the curve and to reduce the risk for ourselves, for our neighbors, uh, through um, a tremendous amount of sacrifice over the last eight months. Yep. And I agree with you on that on on so many levels. Thank you for that, Tali. Now, um, more more specifically, you know, what advice would you give to someone who's looking to move to New York or is new to the city? It's always better to walk through the world with a kind of gratitude that that you and I have described. Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe I would say, well, if you're new here and some of the things that uh, you thought defined New York are not available right now or have changed, Mm -hmm. make it different, right? Um, Remember that all of us get to shape the city. Mm. And any uh, specific advice or message to current New Yorkers? Thank you. I would say thank you for um, really the the courage and the character that... um, people have shown through the course of the pandemic, um, through uh, standing up for racial justice, mm-hmm. through supporting essential workers. Uh, I just feel really, as I said, lucky to be just a s- small, tiny fleck in this in this mosaic. Oh, not tiny whatsoever, but <laughs> you, okay, here goes another random question. <laughs> no, don't. And, and like, you had a lot of, a lot of final questions, Maria. <laughs> sorry, Sally. Okay, so if, if you could have a Times Square billboard with anything on it, what would it be and why? Oh, my God. I mean, how could you ask a political candidate that question? I, I mean, you can take it in whatever direction you like. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I think what's sort of emerging as my campaign motto is mm-hmm. that it's important to be fair and fearless um, in, in the face of criminal activity. And it's really important to be fair and fearless mm-hmm. in the face of all of the challenges that we have to face right now. And so maybe I would just put those two words on it. Um, and and, and tally for da.com at the bottom. I can't help it. I just can't help it. <laughs> of course. No, please. Thank you, Tali, for, for answering that question. Is there um, any final things you'd like to touch upon that I, I may have not asked in, in regards to New York as a whole, running for Manhattan DA and, and tips for New Yorkers? No, I, I just really, um, I loved all of your questions and um, and the you. way that you shaped this conversation. Thank you. No, thank you. I appreciate it. Now, one last question, Tali, where can listeners, I know you mentioned it briefly a moment ago, where can listeners support and connect with you online? 
Thank you. So um, my website is tali4da.com and you can go there to sign up, uh, to volunteer on the campaign, to support the campaign, uh, and to just learn more about me and what I'm fighting for, Mm -hmm. uh, for our city. And you can find the podcast hearing wherever you get your podcasts. Lovely, Tali. Now, I do want to ask for one more thing that you're you're welcome to say no to, but I, I've recently started a fourth segment that is called a New York Minute, where I essentially just sound off on a bunch of uh, New York questions. And within one minute, hopefully you're able to answer all these questions and just say the first word that comes to mind. Would you be okay to play in that? I, I'm willing to try. Okay. Yes. <laughs> okay. Let's try. And it's, again, it's called a New York Minute. And I okay. am going to uh, start the timer now, Tali. And I know these are unexpected questions coming at you. So here we go. Starting the timer now. Favorite season in New York? Fall. Favorite New York food? A pita at Misnone in Chelsea Market. Nice. Favorite New York tourist destination? The Museum of the City of New York or the Tenement Museum. Perfect. Favorite non-tourist destination? The Cooper Hewitt Museum's room where your kids can make uh, wallpaper that gets projected onto the walls. Oh, nice. In an instant. Yes. Favorite holiday in the city? Oh, Christmas. Christmas holiday? Okay. Favorite weekend escape from New York? I love to visit my friends upstate in the fall. Perfect. And then one word to describe New York? So many words, Mariana. (laughs) Uh, beloved 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 love it that was it Tali I think we went a little over a minute um I don't have the exact oh dear. time oh but dear. you know once we edit this you'll be way under a minute <laughs> oh, no. oh, oh man I'm usually a pretty good test taker so <laughs> no this this was great thank you so much Tali again for, for being on the podcast before we say goodbye I want to thank you because um I said it before we started the recording and you've just confirmed it this really seems like a love letter to New York uh what you are doing here. So thank you so much for drawing attention to our city and what makes it such a special place uh, and for inviting me to be in conversation with you about that. Of course, it was such a pleasure, Tali, and we'll be in touch soon. Thank you so much and have a wonderful rest of your day. Have a wonderful day. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to Gossip Mista. Your support means the world. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please be sure to hit the subscribe button and share this podcast with your friends. Can't wait till next week's episode? Follow along on Instagram at Gossamista to get my latest New York happenings. But if you live and breathe New York City like I do and want even more, go to our website at Gossamista.com, explore, and subscribe to our newsletter to get insider tips first. Lastly, if you have any questions and or scoop on the city, you can email me at gossipnista at gmail.com. Until next time, you know you love me. XOXO, Gossipnista.